Cody. Welcome to the Run the Whites podcast, special edition recap of Bubba's Backyard Ultra 2020, second edition of this event. I'm joined with co-race director, Monty McIndoe. Morning, everybody. Afternoon, whatever it is. It's Tuesday, a couple days removed from the big event. Um, we're here to go over everything that went down. Um, it's, you know, this is the highlight of our event season, which was broken down to this last year standing in, in February and our Friday night vertical through the summertime. But this was the closest thing to some normalcy that we saw um, this year. Yeah. It's uh, it was good to have a second year in a row. We had the first year jitters out of the way. The prep seemed to go great. The event pulled off uh, without a hitch, and we have some. Uh, it's a very exciting event. Yeah, this year certainly did disappoint. We had a much bigger field, so we'll talk a little bit about the behind the scenes stuff that went into making this event happen. Some some points of interest. Um, feedback from last year and just what we saw we thought that a bigger field you know we had 19 runners last year so we thought maybe 30 was going to be a good amount 40 would be pushing it 50 max and that's all because of the nature of the course the single track and not wanting to bottleneck but what we learned was that the bottleneck the bottlenecking in the conga lines it doesn't really matter this is um, a, a much different race than the first person across the finish line yeah, I think with the the bottlenecking as a as a you know as a hypothetical issue became people ran with their own groups. There was groups and sets of runners that came in together. It's like water find its own level. So if you're a quick runner, if you're you're going to be running with the quick people, but there was enough people that you're going to have a group that's comfortable for you. So it really didn't become an issue. No, and we had to get a permit. We had this capped at thirty people waiting on a permit from the town of Conway, which was something we didn't do last year, um, just being our first event, not sure on the protocol. So we had to go through permitting and make sure that that was cleared before we had this event with, and then have the town shut it down before it even started. So that was one thing that we had been working on going into this. But um, yeah, as we looked at like the field going to the race, a lot of, um, a lot of unknowns, but there's also people coming back bring experience from last year's event um, or maybe some other last year standing. But, you know, there's a big wild card of experience going into last year. So we had no idea what to expect. It went 24, 25 hours um, with Ed Clifford winning and everyone taking in some, taking some notes along the way of, of what to do next year. So this year, um, you know, looking at the, looking at the start list, I saw, I saw a lot of people that like, I thought could do really well and then people that I knew were going to do really well but with an event like this you just never know you never know how strong someone's feeling going into it how their strategy is going to work out and then of course like the unpredictable like yeah the I mean you looked at the the an ultra sign up the things that the people done before and I was thinking you know outside it's going to be in the 40 hour range so I cleared the calendar you know cleared it for Monday and it was looking into, you know, Monday morning's weather because it could have gone that it wasn't far off from going that far, you know, from when we started. And then, you know, we got some uh, some rain in the, the first day and then it rained, I think, a little bit in the evening. But 
the first the couple days before that it rained it really set up the course really really well the course was super dry before all the water crossings were dry and it still stayed dry but it really set the course up nice for you know for what we had to do yeah quick note on the course that we built this last year we spent a lot of august and september making a trail that we thought would be perfect length and um conditions for for a trail run like this you know you're trying to cater to the back of the packers to make sure that they can get some laps in but also not too easy so that the, the this doesn't go like weeks and it just becomes a sleep deprivation race you yeah. know it's it has to be the combination of fatigue both physically and mentally the course itself though this year was great in the fact that we didn't have to do much to it we had to clear clear some fallen trees um Shout out Diane McIndoe, Monty's wife, for doing a couple laps with a leaf blower. That was hugely appreciated. And then Bubba himself got some trail time out there with the spray the spray paint marking all the routes, which seemed very thorough and almost like a novelty. But come nighttime, I think a lot of runners were appreciative of the extra course markings. Um, you know, we wanted to, we thought about changing it and adding a little bit yeah. because I, I think that numbers are deceiving on this well, you, course. You tell the people, you tell general people, the course is three and a half miles. You have an hour to get through it. And people are like, ah, oh, you know, that's easy. Well, it's three and a half miles where you can't take your guard down. You know, may, you maybe have a 50 yard stretch where you can just kind of put your head down and run a little bit, but there's only two of those stretches. Well, look at the first, look at this first lap. The guys coming through in the 30s, low, mid mid 30s, some of the fastest times that course has ever seen. Yeah. Um, obviously, people were excited, and there was some high energy, fresh legs. Yeah. They were pumped up in the beginning when they were the starting line. It looked like they were like thoroughbreds chomping at the bit. And I said, "There's going to be a natural selection. Everybody who's pumped up and who wants to burn a quick lap, go ahead and burn it." But most of you haven't run this, and most of the people who had knew not to go out like that. And then they came back in, and the next lap, lap two. You saw everybody being like, oh, 40 minutes, 40 minutes plus is the, is the right way to do this thing because you can't burn, a, you know, 30-minute laps and do this. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it then. I mean, we're, start, we're talking about these early laps. What um, what were some of the notable things that you noticed? I mean, the first, I guess, the first six hours. So the field was, <clears throat> the field was big, and it was last year we had a few people who had never done any type of uh, long distance running, got into it, and really like self-selected out of this early on. This time, everybody in the first, in the beginning first four hours, they all made it through, and that's a half a marathon distance. I mean, that's, you know, 14 miles. There's, that's, that's a big achievement for anybody to do, especially on a trail where you're not just, you know, just jogging along the road. It's, you have to pay attention. When I went out and did my first lap, during the race, I started thinking about a sandwich 100 yards from the finish and uh, did a face plant. So it's, you know, and I've run the trail, you know, a bunch of times, but you had all these people doing this running and the groups and they settled out and they got in and, you know, it was really in the, in the beginning was, I think everybody was finding their legs. And some people said, you know, I'm doing this. I need to go, go off and do something else. I mean, most people who fell out in the beginning were doing it just as an event. And then they went off to do something else, not because you know, they were decimated or they had reached their limit. It's just like, they're like, oh, I'm just came to like support the, support the cause and support a friend. And I'm going to go do something else. So it was interesting. If you look at the laps, it goes four, four, 
five, five, and then eights, eights and up. And once you start hitting eight laps, it's roughly like 28, 30 miles. Big difference in last year. You run a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. A marathon in the woods with up and down and vertical and turns. I mean, there's a lot of turning in this course too. You know, there's not, like you said, there's no real straight punches. I mean, the other thing I'm going to add is that this course is new. It's not broken in. I don't know that it'll ever be super broken in. And the fact that that soft, loamy pine floor, hemlock floor, beech wood, like it's it's some raw it's, trail. It's spongy. it's spongy. And it sucks the energy out of you. Yeah. While your knees appreciate it, it's still not efficient way of traveling. It's not. And I was running with the, a group who... Um, Megan, who had done it last year, and I was running in front of her, and she's like, oh, I love the way the ground deforms when you run when you run on top of it, how your weight makes it sink down. I was like, well, I guess, thanks, I guess, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just the way the course is. Which makes that 3.5 miles, 250 vertical each lap, it's cum- it cum- accumulates very quickly and deceivingly. I yeah. think when I got out, I got four or five laps in this year, and I was feeling it. Yeah. I felt it too. I got in three and I was like, at the end, you know, walking in the course would be fine for me. All right. Well, let's jump into some storylines. We like to pick a few things, a few standouts, things that we noticed this year, things to chat about. What What do you got? Well, let's, let's go through boring stuff first. Oh, uh, you want to keep going? All right. I want boring stuff first. All right. Uh, we'll do the quiz. Youngest, youngest competitor. Was that Patrick? Patrick, 13 years old. Oldest competitor, just the age. I don't know. 56 years old. That should have been older. I think like we'll get that. We're going to get Bubba in it next year to do a lap. I think we'll get it up too. The uh, the number total of laps completed. Well, we pre-calculated 625. What did we end up with? 616. 616. All right. That's, so the, that last one we did was with the volunteers. This is only competitors, mm-hmm. right? That comes out to almost 26 days of running if you add up all the hours. Mm-hmm. Which is in uh, in terms of steps, it's a six point six million steps, on average. Okay. Right. The average runner did uh, fourteen laps, which is just under fifty miles. Now that's impressive. On average. That's impressive. Okay. So there was uh, ten women, and thirty four men. So. Let's all right. So that's all boring stuff. That's not, not, not boring. Not boring, but it's it it's, makes sense. You look at the uh, you look at this course, and by the end of, by the end of it, it was pretty burnt in. Yeah, like it, the, it was <laughs> sexy. Looking at this trail, the from before the race and after the race, it's almost it's like what we do with Friday Night Lights after a night of skinning on fresh snow, watching these zigzags, and there's like triple wide single tracks going up black mountain this is very similar like i it's like artwork to me to to walk the course at the end of the event like this and see what 616 laps yeah will do to a do to a course 616 laps on this if you'd put it in miles it would get you from bubba's house to breckenridge colorado 2100 miles away yeah almost the eight length of the at it'd be a nice little uh maybe next time ragnar yeah all right so stories Stories. Patrick Laughlin, mm-hmm. right? 13 years old, went out, ran, did 10 laps, 35 miles. Awesome performance. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. And he went, did you see that on Strava? He went out and ran like a six minute mile. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, spinning just, it out, just emptying two. the tank. Yeah. Get that lactic acid out. That was awesome. 
So it could be, is it, is it, uh, is it nature? Is it nurture? Cause the next two is, uh, Suze Laughlin, his mother, uh, co top woman finisher with 15 laps at 52.5 miles along with Molly Carp. And that was super impressive. One upping her performance from last year. Yeah. There's a lot of that. We saw a lot of, if you looked over, you had it posted the finisher board from 2019 next to this year's board. Pretty much everyone just tacked on, tacked on something. I haven't confirmed, but I don't know that anybody didn't exceed last year. Right. Then you had your, uh, the, so another shout out to a guy was uh, John Roy. I had him. He was the dark horse. Dark horse, grinding it out, putting down laps, had his whole crew there. It was super solid. I mean, it was super, super supportive. And the best quote from the somebody in his crew was like, he's a little excessive. I said, yeah, you know, he's excessive. He's, he's done 24 laps. He's at 84 miles. And he was, and he, if you looked at him, you wouldn't say a classical runner. Just dieseling, motoring, <laughs> showing up. Great, you know what he had? Great attitude. Absolutely, yeah. Built like a brick shit house, oh. for lack of better words. Yeah, yeah. John Rowe is my dark horse. I had my other dark horse for the event was going to be Rem. Rem, you never know. Rem, no. he's put in some like some night, a lot of night stuff and yep. stuff around here in the Mount Washington Valley. He's come to last year standing, but this is a new a new event, and he got out dark horsed. Yeah, simple as that. 21 laps, 73 and a half miles. I mean, he did great. He he left nothing in the tank. No, that lap, he went out, and this is something I said at the beginning of the race. It was like, I don't want to see people call it when they finish their last lap with 10 minutes left. Like, push it, push it. Like, either get out, start that next lap, and, and turn around, or start that next lap and time out. Like, yeah. give yourself a shot. The thing is, if you start that next lap, and you're, like, on the fence, you're going to want to finish it, because yeah. that lap isn't going to count if you time out and you spend all that effort to do another lap and it doesn't count in the results, it's a bit of a wasted effort. So that's the carrot, you know, people reach this halfway point and if they're like on pace, yeah, you know, it's either make or break, but uh, when Rem walked out, he was the walking dead. Yeah. There was uh, only a few people who timed out in the laps mm -hmm. and a ton of respect to them. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a, a bunch of people who went out for that next lap, got a bit out, said their legs weren't working, turned back around made good decisions. It was awesome. Next one. Next one. Uh, Nathan Lamar, right? Runner up from last year, went out, solid crew. Um, and I, it's the, the progression. Like, so I got married in between last year and this year, same crew. And his wife who's crewing him was like, I don't know how to be mean to him. And I was like, well, I can give you some instructions. <laughs> when, when, when he shows up, he spent, don't let him sit down, because if he sits down, he's not going to want to get back up. So she was blocking the chair and saying, what do you need, and gave him water. He came back in. The next lap after that, he looked fresh. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. I mean, as a as a team, they did great. As an individual, he did fantastic. You know, he's had, again, that great, that great attitude and that great energy that, you know, it's uh, infectious to be around. And... I try to get some info out of these guys when I go and do some laps, just checking in on them. And Nathan had told me that him and his wife had done the White Lakes Ultra like on their own this year because it got canceled. So they went and did laps and it was, you know, Becky had put in all this, his wife had put in all this training and wanted to do an ultra. And so they went out and did their own thing yeah. and did, I don't know, 74 miles or something <laughs> like that. So now she has like 
this experience and she can, you know, she can relate a little better, I probably to Nathan and what he's going through. But yeah, watching the crews on all these people like work together and uh, that's like evident across the board. The people that had crews like definitely got them further. They had reason to keep going. Yeah. You know, you bring people from all over to do it. Yeah. Like, you're gonna want to perform. Like you saw it with JP, his wife drove three hours to hang out one hour and drive back three hours. So she'd go back to work. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> insane. And it, JP's like made his event to see that sort of support. And he had another friend come midday on the second day and uh, more friends come out that night. And yeah. you know, there's nothing better than seeing a familiar face when you're riding these waves of highs and lows yeah. going throughout this course. And that's what I was telling him. I was like, you know, moments where things are clicking like just cherish that because you know next next the next lap you could feel like absolute crap and just want to be done yeah i mean speaking of jp so he was showing up he was turning what could be considered the fastest laps yeah if you averaged out all his lap his lap times by far in that like upper tier he was the fastest yeah he was you know in the 30s, then low 40s, the mid 40s, and he was just cranking out laps. But and then you start to ask him, like, why are you burning laps like this? He's like, I just, that's this, that's the speed I train at, and that's the speed I run at. It's not like he was really gunning it, but he wasn't conserving it either. Well, there's comfort in that cadence. But as you know, it's like you got to evenly work all your muscles, your running muscles, your walking muscles, your hiking muscles. And for sure he started to feel that started to catch up with him at some point but he won't also have this goal of running 100 miles he's never run more than um, (laughs) like 50 something miles on a hut traverse and so this was the next big thing for him so it was so cool to see people tick off these goals and prs across the board everyone had something that they were chasing going into this race and i think most people were able to to get there now the question is is how dangerous is that like once you achieve your goal does that the are the is it, does that take the wind out of your sails? Right, because the thing we heard from last year was if somebody had a goal of ten laps or fifteen laps and they did that goal, once they passed the finish line at that point, everything shut down. They're like, I've achieved my goal, and I'm not going to go anymore. And then what we heard, I heard multiple times was, I got in the car, I still had stuff in the tank, and I was upset that I was in the car. <laughs> that should have gone. Because what John Roy had was. I don't know how far I'm going to go. I'm going to find out. People are saying, how many laps are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. And just went out and kept on turning him over. But the other thing about JP was, too, largely self-supported. Yeah. I mean, Peter Howe showed up for a minute, said hey to him, you know, ran ran behind him for a lap or two. But in essence, he just sat down, you know, checked on his social media, was looking on Instagram. <laughs> You know, got some water, got some snacks, got back up and turned another lap. I had, um, what else did I have here? So the other, the other one I had before I get to the end was, uh, Sonia. Sonia. Sonia likes to run. Oh, loves to run. Super enthusiasm. She showed up and she had her own custom Bubba's Backyard Ultra 2020 hat. And I was like, that is awesome. Where'd you get that? She's like, this is the only race I'm doing this year. I had to make myself a hat because I didn't see the, in the swag list I was going to get one. I was like, that, that's enthusiasm. She showed up the night before just to know, like, all right, this is where the event is. We're good. All right, we'll see you in the morning. Yeah. Like, she was all business. Oh, super, like, ticked all the boxes. And that was fun. Like, just the general vibe of this event, for those who missed it, um, awesome people, like, 
stuff like this it it attracts you know an eclectic group but everyone has this like thing in common i don't know what it is but they're there they're willing to test themselves they're part of something special this community you go into it not knowing a ton of people you leave with like new best friends through this um joined suffering as the event progressive progresses but a ton of respect for each other everyone's showing up and just putting in one lap after another yeah i mean the other fun thing was like the 603 crew showed up that was fun Yep, thanks, Tom, for bringing the pickles and other snacks. <laughs> yeah, Tom showed up bringing, bringing a few uh, friends along, too. It's good energy yeah. there. Great energy. Could, could not go in. Their, their tent was luxury. Could not go in it because if I went in that tent, I'd never leave. Yeah, it was flashbacks of, of Jed from yeah. last year's standing. They had, <laughs> yeah. the, they had the tent heaters, music, everything they needed. Comfy like, chairs, yeah. snacks, lights. Yeah, it was good. But, you know, the, the biggest... The biggest storyline was the three, like from 24 laps. Once um, John dropped, we were left with Nathan, JP, and Ed. Yep. And this is where this was exciting because now we had this crew of three just going and going and going. It was a cage match. And I said this in the event is that there's a you can make a make a case for each person for winning or losing yep. like drop each lap like yep. start off with um nathan so nathan looked fresh compared to last year when he hit 20 his 24 laps like we were pushing him the yeah. entire time at night to like come on like we need to get to daylight oh no we're at daylight now we need to get to 24 hours yep. and we need to push ed you know keep like keep this going this is the first year and, and nathan dug so deep like oh. Whereas this year, like we weren't pushing Nate until like the very end, no. but it was like very, very clear that Nate was a different person going to this event. Yeah, it was super solid. Um, but you know, again, he's like in uncharted territory. He there were some laps where he looked terrible, started to look terrible. So you're like, all right, does he have it? Does he not? Is he gonna go? Yeah. Um, I did a lap with him and he was peppy and like we cruised. We like, it's just, again, the power of having someone with you on that course make, can make all the difference. Yeah. Um, next JP. So JP was, he just wanted, he just wanted to be over. He wanted people to drop. He's like, these people are stubborn. Like yeah. I just want that ax. I want oh, yeah. this to be over. And JP is like, comes <laughs> from like trail crew pedigree and that ax meant something special to him. Yeah. So he was like, he had his eye on that, but he's just like, I don't get it. And this why, is where. Why aren't they stopping? And this is where Ed gets in their heads. Like, because you know that Ed is like this enigma. And this is his thing in a way. Like, he, Ed was a dark horse last year, but now he's proved himself. Ed, um, we'll get into his history, but JP was just like, I don't know. Like, I got to, you know, everyone's thinking about work and all this other stuff. And they're kind of losing touch of what how deep this race is going to go and what it really means. So JP not fully prepared to go into Monday, um, which (laughs) takes us to Ed. (laughs) Ed cleared his calendar. Ed was, Ed was here, you know? Yeah. I don't think we're at, I mean, Ed, yes, Ed was tired. Yes. Ed put on a huge effort. I don't know that we're anywhere near Ed Clifford's limits yet. No, you know, and it's his body, not his mind. Like his mind is in it for the long haul. He had just come in runner up at Pineland Farm, Pineland Farms last 
person standing, and that was a month ago, and he had done 130 miles. I heard this from Andy McGivens. Andy McGivens, before the like race, was telling me, he's like, yeah, Ed, I don't know about Ed. Like, he just did 130 miles. Is he <laughs> going to be prepared for this? And, you know, again, that's a big wild card. If you have tendon issues and you just, like, you're, you're not well-rested for something like this, big wild card. So that's why I was, I was like, oh, Ed could drop at any moment, too, if his tent, like, got so bad where it's not worth, yeah, like, permanently injuring yourself or like getting this like chronic injury thing happening no but i mean it's it i would have loved to have seen the video of him crossing the line and saying nice job ed and he gives you the the side eye and the big smile and then he heads back to his tent yeah it's like it was like the same it was like the same thing repeated again it was like groundhog day he's like good job ed and he's like just a big smile and again it's the attitude with these three is fantastic and I think that that was like the big that was a big takeaway for me is that those three like I was in awe of each of them and I had no I had no horse in this race. Yeah. Any one of them stand up gentlemen would have been great for them to win. Sure. And it was just a blast to watch them and you know they're entertaining us. We're feeding off their energy just as much as they are from from us. And you know we just want to do everything in our power to keep them going. Yeah, what's I mean, what's going to happen? Get him out there. It was good. Yeah, so you know, Ed made the comment about um, this is very similar to Ricardo last year about oh, you better um, recharge those batteries. You're going to need them tonight. Yeah, because you know we had Bruce McCoy out there chomping at the bit to help out, so he took out took down the lights. Big mistake. Yep. Um, Come the sunset lap, they were still three deep. Yeah. And when we said in the beginning, when we when the morning came, we said, "All right, make sure you charge you charge back up your battery," and they did. And you know we should have, so we didn't listen to our own advice. Yeah, that was that was a learning moment. You know, just just shut the shut the lanterns, leave them out there. They'll be ready to go when we need them. Yep. Um, but yeah, that, that was huge. Like that, we we got, we reached that that second night, and this was very similar to last year's standing. When we were just like, "Oh, what are we in for?" Right. Because it felt like it could just keep going, or it could just end. And what we saw was like this moment of everything happened at once. Yeah. Sunset lap. So the six p.m. lap. Sunsets around six twenty. So they get into darkness. That lap coming in at close to seven o'clock, it's like six fifty something, and both Ed and JP are in, but Nate's not back yet. Right. And all of a sudden, Nate timed out. Yeah. So Nate's out there somewhere. Right. And so then JP and this is what I don't get, and this maybe you can help clarify this. So JP and Ed go out clockwise, but the last lap was counterclockwise. Yep. So they were going to see Nate and know that. You know, see him on the course and whatever. Right. So now that's official that Nate's out. But um, I don't know that they did see see them or not. Um, so, I mean, we got to be cognizant. They're also they don't have that much sleep. No. <laughs> so, yeah, ultra we, math. We got, this ultra we, math is very foggy at this. We point. got an hour and a half, but they're now you know a day and a half plus into this thing, and hundred a uh, hundred miles plus. So they go out. I don't even know that JP. So they went out for their final lap, Ed and JP. JP goes out, turns around. I go to check something in my car and I hear somebody say, JP's back. And I'm like, 
you know, something, he forgot something, something happened. I'm having flashbacks to last year standing. Just like last year. It's like Kanoa coming down. Oh, yeah. I told him I forgot my light. All right. I'm like, oh. So then he's sitting there and he's sitting and sitting and he takes off his shoes and he says, I'm like, he still had, with the laps he was doing, which the lap he just did, he still has time to go back out there and finish his lap. I know. I know. You know, like, what, like, and it's just that he had, and he knows cracked. that he knows that too. Oh yeah, he, he like it, knows that he probably could have knocked out another lap or two, but like that's yeah. his mind was right. out of it. So the the other thing, the just notable thing that happened during the event was uh, Ben Quist was there, who came in third last year. He went out and said, um, "I don't want to really run, but I'm just going to see my tendons hurt. I'm just going to see what I can do." Went out and burned a 28 minute lap, mm-hmm. clockwise. So fine, but I was like. JP, you can go out there and, and still get this and like, let's go. But at one point I had seen Ed and Nathan walking next to each other down the the down the road from the clockwise path. And I'm like, that is such a, I mean, maybe they don't think, that is such a head game. Like, I'm right here with you. Like, if you go to the bathroom, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You get a drink of water. We get it. Like, And that's part of the, the, the mind game is that Ed, whether he is or isn't like feeling great, he looks great and he backed it you know he's he's in everyone's head because he just did 130 miles and he looks like from the month before he's he won this last year and this year he still looks strong if you want to do world series of poker that guy there is no you cannot tell how you okay you know he's tired okay every he's tired but you can't tell it he's tired yeah, and everyone's hurting. Everyone, if you're hurting, chances are everyone else on the course is hurting. And but Ed was mentally prepared. Like last year, he was ready to go 30 laps. Yep. And that was such a huge advantage over everyone else. And this year, he was ready to go into the second, mo- like the second morning. Sure. Huge advantage over everyone else. Monday was on the table. Yeah. For him, but not for a lot of other people. Right. If you're. What and it's I don't know the the psychology of it, but if you're counting on other people quitting for you to win, he's counting on him going further than everybody else to win. Yeah. You know he. he he's yeah. got a yeah, and he's got a system down. When we went into this event, Ed came with a plan. He had his crew, Don. Yep. Don was there, just taking care of everything he needed. Like she's been through this before. He's so dialed. Um, really, you know, it just pays off. Like having yeah. a plan pays off. Yeah. He's, so I said, you know, Don, do you guys need anything? We have ramen, we have this, everything. She was like, oh, you know, we started our hot food two laps ago. So they have a, a plan and a schedule. He knows what he's going to do. He knows what to expect. Yeah. He gets the course. Um, and I'll try to get, try to see if I can weave a phone call in with that just to, hear him do a little recap because it is really fun to to hear his his side of things he um messaged me you know i asked him when he finished like what was going through his mind in that final lap did he know that he'd won it and everything and so he got back to me that the night of the event at like 11 30 probably just got home to raymond new hampshire and yeah he had some insightful words to say about like how he was still he was still running scared, but he realized like he was on the fence of like making the cutoff. Like we were waiting for him forever. Oh, I yeah. think he left, he came in at like seven, was it seven fifty five or so? 
fairly late, but um, there's points in the course where you can look back and see through the woods, and he yeah. wasn't seeing anyone, so no. he sort of knew. And plus, we were really loud with the cowbells. Yeah. And but it was so it would for him and his average lap time. It was so late for him. This the it started going through my mind. What happens if he doesn't make it? If he times out, then we have a dual winner with him and JP. We never talked about that because we had already engraved. I had already engraved the axe and I had written, <laughs> filled out the finish thing. All stuff you can you can scrub. But uh, yeah, I think as race directors, we were um, at the point where we we were no longer pushing people harder than we needed to push because no. you know Ed was really concerned about the well being of the young guns yeah. as well. Like he really cared about them not hurting themselves and um that's one thing we'll take into next next year is making sure we have more course sweepers into these later this, these later hours yeah because at this point they're they're who knows like someone could tr easily trip and yeah. wander when you start to get that sleep deprived well that too i mean we we live here but it's we're really in the middle of nowhere when you get out there there's you know yeah that course that course is deceivingly uh, you're pretty isolated. You're in this island, <laughs> this suburban island in Conway, New Hampshire. Um, so anyway, yeah, it was just, you know, the, the finish line, super emotional watching those three just give a ton of respect and just like the, the performance they put on. You're like, this is kind of silly. We made this event. Here they are. But everyone, all the finishers pretty much walked away. Um, yeah. Better people for coming to this and, event. And when you're mentioning the, the core sweepers, we want to give a, a big thanks to all the volunteers too. Yeah, I have a I have a, a long well a short short long list here of, of thank yous and volunteers like across the board. I mean, we um, we put it out there. We need people for this night shift, this day shift. Would you you know just show up and we'll put you to work? And so that was everything from like course setting, clearing, flagging, lighting, setup, breakdown, cooking, cleaning, registration, timing, cheerleading, fire making, course sweeping, first aid. Um, it takes like it takes an army to do two days of so-called eventing. Yeah, um, that was really huge and makes it more fun. It's like you bring in more people that get exposure to this event. Um, you know, you got to thank Bubba and Mimi for yeah. just getting involved more and more every year. I think he was really hesitant to get this going last year. He asked a lot about liability and permitting, <laughs> and I just let it go. I tell him, Dad, everything's gonna be fine. Like. This is a very capable, great group of people. It's not going to be like this big party. It's, it's different, and you need to see it. And he saw it last year, and he's out there adding extra Bubba flags, putting his touch on the course, his signature, and that was really special too. That he's out there walking his dog, and um, it's really fun to have to watch this the trickle down effect, so to speak. And then of course sponsors. You know, we don't. It's not that we need ton of sponsors they definitely make it fun on a grassroots event like this so beverages were covered pretty deep um you know from tuckerman brewing uh sufferfest beer athletic brewing all donated stuff of course pierre down in the basement right now below us grinding <laughs> he's roasting coffee beans that everyone got to take take with them and um so you know if anyone wants to get involved with this from a sponsor perspective there's definitely ways to ways to help out um and then we're already planning for for next next year's event, which is on the calendar is October second because JP had already told me he was ready to go for nice. next year. And yeah. honestly, I'm looking for a co race director replacement because 
I think it's time that I give it a shot. Yeah, well, I mean, to to that with the the rest of the volunteers too, we need to put up a you know big thanks to Hillary and Diane for putting up with us. Yeah, through this whole thing. I mean, we were, you know, the phrase of "I got to go do something at Bubba's" or "I got to do Bubba's" is you know pushed everything else to the side, and they picked up all, you know, all the rest of the slack. So it's true. It's like we get in our zone where we're just like all business with this, and there's other stuff that we drop in our life yeah. to to make this happen. So it's yeah, big shout outs to them well, for, for. Then it gets into the zone where we're you know a day and a half into it. And somebody who has a moderate amount of sleep shows up and she's like, you know, it's like, oh, I showed up to the Walking Dead zombie party and everybody's looking at me like, you know, <laughs> yeah. what day is it and where are you and what's going on? I know. She showed up with some fresh coffee and donuts and taking care of us <laughs> so that we can try to take care of the rest of the people. We're like cross-eyed and drooling. Yeah. Uh, other things here. We've got the Blackout 5K, 10K coming up November 7th. If you... Um, are looking for another event to do see some more lanterns Which, some night. If, if you're listening to this yeah if you're listening to this you're already you should be there. signed up we've got about 30 people registered um, nice split between the 5k and 10k that's up at black mountain we'll be socially distanced in the parking lot that's going to be a fun event we'll probably cap it at 100 people um, i think we should be able to get close to it there's not much happening in november yeah right nothing's happening right. in november nothing's happening in november so the first year we did it the catchphrase was i almost died which was awesome yeah we had a, an unannounced <laughs> nor'easter come through and and take out all the flagging dump an inch of rain yeah it was awesome so i i ran that we ran i ran the next one now i'll be running this one too so yeah if you want to come out and see a middle-aged non-runner go up and down black then you're welcome to follow me around all right well that's a great place to stop Again, if I can sneak in an interview with someone, I like to hear, I like the follow-ups. I like a little recap from the insider perspective, because again, it's easy to watch this from the couch and be like, oh, it's just a three and a half mile lap. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get someone else on, maybe talk to Tom Hooper. He seemed really confident going into uh, the first few <laughs> laps. Lots of smiles, lots of thumbs up. Oh yeah. How that changes so quickly. Um, but anyways, thanks again for everyone involved. Um, can't wait till next year and and we'll get the last gear standing going. So on the other end of things, if you like this event, last gear standing equally as fun, and we're going to get that going um, as well. Yep. All right, Monty, thanks a lot for joining me and thanks, appreciate, appreciate all the people listening. And um, yeah, uh, as always, if you're on the fence, any of these events, just go ahead and sign up. Sign up. All right. Bye. Bye.